Welcome to the podcast of Celebration Christian Church located in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. I am Pastor Jonathan Autry, and we will strive each week to bring you the fundamental principles of what the Bible says on how you can truly live and lead a Christian life. Everyone has their own opinion of how we should live, but the question is, what does the Bible say? It is only through His Word that we can truly find the answers. So open your mind, open your heart, and let God guide you through His Word. In the name of Jesus, let us praise the Lord. Amen. So we've been in this uh, series entitled Greater Than. And uh, the first week we talked about how the mission was greater than the method. And um, last week we talked about how our faith will always be greater than our fear. <clears throat> this week I want to talk to you about how gr- integrity will always be greater than imitation. Integrity will always be greater than imitation. One thing that uh, really never bothered me as a child, it never bothered me that my mom and dad would get the off-brand stuff from the supermarket, right? You know, to me, Frosted Flakes was Frosted Flakes. It didn't matter if it had Tony the Tiger on it or, you know, a different animal, a lion or something. You know, it was all the same to me. As long as it was sweet and got soggy in milk, it was good for me, right? But then as I got older, you know what I really started to appreciate? I started to appreciate quality. I started appreciating quality over quantity. It wasn't just about, you know, going and, and getting as much as I could for my money. I wanted to make sure that what I was getting was good quality stuff. You know, as a child, if, if someone would have asked, do you want to go to Golden Corral or do you want to go just get, you know, a nice little steak? As a child, I would have said, let's go to Golden Corral because it's like that, you know, instant gratification. There's no waiting on any waiters. You know, just go up there. You wait for the lady to come out with that big old pan of hot fried chicken. Just throw it in there and just serve up anything you want. No one tells you what you can get, what you can't get, how much. Well, unless you have parents like mine. And then they wouldn't let me have dessert before the meal for some reason. But, you know, as I got older, I realized, you know, even though that food tastes good and everything, a lot of that stuff's just coming in Ziploc bags and being heated up. There's not a lot of quality in there. There's a lot of quantity there's not a lot of quality. And today, I would much rather have quality food that I make in my house, fresh vegetables, good meat, than have the quantity. And what we have to understand today is, and what the message is about is, your integrity is so much more important than your imitation. You can pretend to be something you're not, and you can fool me. And you can fool others, but you'll never be able to fool God. So who are we and what are we as people of integrity? Integrity is who you are when no one else is around. I always use this as my definition. Integrity is who I am when no one else sees me, when no one else can see what I'm doing. Imitation is intending to simulate or copy something else. Sadly, the one place where we think we would be safe from imitation is the one place we see it the most, in church. In a world full of pretenders, we would hope the church would be a safe place. 
But there are many people today that use the gospel, that use Christianity, that use religion to manipulate what is being seen. To imitate something that is never part of their being, their inside. I want to share a message with this, you this morning from the book of Acts. And Acts, as I said a couple weeks ago, Acts is called Acts because it is the book that tells us what the disciples, the acts of the disciples really were, what they did. So the acts of the disciples were very important. In Acts chapter 5, <clears throat> we find that the New Testament church has been established. Jesus Christ starts the New Testament church. It's what we see today. They, they started meeting in homes. Disciples started leading up, uh, raising leadership. The church started growing home to home. People were getting saved by the thousands. And people were earnestly in love with the church. They had a sincere desire to help each other out. So much so that when the New Testament church started and they were going through hardships, people would let, literally sell their belongings to help out their fellow brethren. And what I want to tell you is what, that when people, when Christians were in time of need, when they had dire need, their fellow brothers and, and sisters in Christ would literally sell their belongings to help each other. But here we have a story in Acts chapter 5 of a couple that really wanted to help the local church. When I say the local church, they wanted to help the New Testament church. They wanted to be a big part of what was going on. It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira, or Ananias and Sapphira, however you want to pronounce it. Now, a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. He kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge, and brought a part of it and placed it at the apostles' feet. <clears throat> then Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to deceive the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, was it not your own? And when it was it sold, was it not under your authority? Why have you conceived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to men, but to God. On hearing these words, on hearing these words, Ananias fell down dead. And great fear came over all those that had heard these things. The young man rose and wrapped him up and carried him out of the buried and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for this amount. She said, yes, for that much. Peter said to her, how is it you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. At once she fell down at his feet and died. Um, man, don't want you to come to church this morning and say, man, this is really a, a downer this morning. What a sad story, and this is the message today. But you know what? This is something that we need to get serious about. It's not about coming in Sunday after Sunday and just walking out or coming in just feeling, oh, wow, that was great. I'm happy. I'm leaving happy. You know, sometimes we need to have a heart to heart and realize and let the Spirit of God talk to us and tell us how we can be better people. The Bible is supposed to be a mirror, 
I don't know how many of you looked in the mirror this morning, but I looked in the mirror, and I did not like what I saw this morning. But after taking a shower, a half gallon of hairspray, a couple squirts of cologne, a shirt that was ironed from a guy in my church, man, I cleaned up pretty good compared to what I saw this morning when I looked in the mirror. And you know what? That's what the Word of God is supposed to do for us. It's supposed to show us the ugly things that we need to fix in our lives. And I think that integrity is a quality that we have lost. We think that little lies or white lies or just not completely telling the whole truth is okay. It's okay because we're surrounded by so much deceit. We're surrounded by so many lies. What is my little, little lie going to me mean in the larger scheme of things? See, when you read this scripture, and I would read it as a young guy, I always thought it was all about the money. It had nothing to do with the money. And Peter explains that in the scripture. But sometimes we kind of like focus on what we think the important part is. And we don't focus on what the real importance of the scripture is. Peter explains it's not about the money. Because he says, he says, wasn't it yours before you sold it? And even when you sold it, wasn't it yours why did you have to deceit, deceive over it? Why did you have to lie about it? Number one, fulfilling a commitment is what integrity is all about. Again, this is just something that I feel that today is not something that people take seriously. Commitments. You know, most young people today, most young people today, they want to try it out. Before they get married. They want to try it out. You know, I'm all for test driving a new car before I buy it, right? But the Bible doesn't teach us that that's what marriage is about. Marriage is a lifetime commitment that you come into that is ordained by God that you should take seriously. So that commitment is a commitment. And I have so many people contact me. Pastor, I want to get married. Will you marry me? I'm like, well, you know, what church are you coming from? How come your church isn't marrying you? I start asking just a couple questions because I want to know how committed they are to getting married. And sometimes, I'm not going to lie, sometimes I haze them a little bit because I want to know how serious they are about this relationship. Well, normally my premarital counseling six months long just to see what kind of reaction I'll get out of it. Because I know that my premarital counseling is only two months. It's only eight sessions. Not that bad. But I just want to know how committed they are. You know, when they call me from the state saying we want to get married, we want to make sure that there's a pastor there, it's a pretty good indication that they're pretty serious about the commitment they're getting in. Because most people say, we don't need a pastor. You know, we already got a document signed by the judge. We're married. Let's just go over there and let's just do a symbolic wedding and that's it. When people say, we want to get married with a pastor, we want to get married, because there's nothing special about me. It's just that commitment they want to make before God. And it used to be, when I was a young person, that was the only commitment that mattered. It didn't have to do with the judge or what documents were signed or not. If you committed your life to another person before God, that was the only thing that mattered. Today, that is the afterthought. That's just so that everyone else can see 
hey, we got married at church. We got married under a pastor. See, integrity is so much more important than imitation. We should not be imitators. We should be people of integrity. If we are not people of our word, then what makes us any different from the world? If you can't be a person of your word, I, you know, I'm, I'm that type of person that my word, I try my best and I know I fail. I fail plenty, but I try my best to keep my word because my word is all I have. I don't have much. You know, when I commit to something, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes I have to sacrifice. Sometimes I have to give up things just to make the commitment. And you know what? You know what bothers me? When people make commitments and then they fail in their commitments and they try to blame other people for the reasons why they didn't stay committed. So your commitment is completely dependent on other people. Someone asked me the other day or told me, <clears throat> they said, Pastor, what are we going to do? You know, we're trying to build leadership in our church. Our people are leaving. They go back to the States, this, that, yada, yada, yada. You know, it's part of life. And I said, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about anyone else. You know who I'm worried about? Me. You know why? My commitment, I love you. Believe me, I love all of you. But my commitment isn't to you. It's to God first. As long as my commitment lines up with his, guess what? I'm going to stay committed to you too. It's the same thing in my marriage. I love my wife dearly, but my commitment's to God, and I realize that my marriage commitment before God, as long as he's first, I'm going to be able to stay committed to my wife too. And that's what we need to understand today. Commitments, integrity needs to be something of importance. The goal, listen to this, this is great. The goal isn't to be better than the world. It's to be more like him. Because I feel that sometimes when we say certain things and we compare ourselves to the world, it's almost like we're trying to be better than the world. If that, if that is your qualification of a Christian to be better than the world, you've, you've missed the mark completely. Because I know plenty of people that are worldly, secular people that I would consider better people than me. There are plenty of good people out there that don't go to church. So if your line, if your measure is trying to be better than the world, you've completely missed what it's all about. To be a disciple is to be more like him. And the more you're like him, the less you're like the world. That's what it's about. And when we talk about integrity over imitation, it's not just I want to give this imitation. I want people to see that I'm a good person. I want people to see my good works. I mean, yeah, that's a great and good thing. But at the end of the day, integrity is something that is shown inwardly and shines outwardly. Acts 5, going back to the verse, it says, Now a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. He kept back part of the proceeds, and his wife knew about it, and brought a part of it and placed it at the apostles' feet. Listen to this. Partial truth is a complete lie. Partial truth is a complete lie. You know, a lot of people would say, um, I would never steal. I think that's a big one. A lot of us would say, like, I would never steal. Eh, a lie? I've been guilty of that. I've told a lie. I've told a white lie. I've told a not complete truth. That's something that's kind of passive today. A partial truth is a complete lie. But listen to this. 
Well, you say you would never steal, right? And Curtis gave me this one this week. He said, when you tell a lie, you steal from the truth. When you tell a lie, you steal from the truth. Well, I, I don't steal. I would never touch or take something that doesn't belong to me. But when you tell a lie, you take from the truth. You steal from the truth. Number two, deceit and imitation is rooted from the enemy. Understanding where deceit comes from, understanding where us pretending, it comes from the enemy. Then Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to deceive the Holy Spirit and keep, and keep pack part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, was it not your own? And when it was sold, was it not under your authority? He says, Peter, it all, he, he tells Ananias, it always belonged to you. We didn't tell you you had to give it all to us. We didn't ask you to sell it. We didn't ask you to give us half of it, a quarter of it. Hey, buddy, you offered it. You said you were going to sell it. You said you were selling it for the purpose of giving it all to help other people. And now look, you're lying to us. Why? Don't you realize that you're not lying to us, but you're lying to God? I believe that Ananias and Sapphira had good intentions. Huh? I believe that Ananias and Sapphira had good intentions. Anyway, when you read the story, I mean, in all honesty, the last thing I would think of doing, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it, but the last thing I would think of doing is selling a piece of property to help somebody else. I'm going to find out every other way to help them out before I sell something to help them out. I think that that's just normal thinking. But Ananias and Sapphira, they, I think they were people full of good intentions. I think that they had good intentions. They wanted to do good. But at the end of the day, for some reason, whether it be greed, whether it be just uh, not wanting to give it all up, not wanting to commit full-heartedly, where they, they regretted what they had committed to, something came up and they decided it was better to lie. It was better to imitate good things than to be people of integrity. I believe they were good I believe that they were people of good intentions, but listen to this. Good intentions never helped anybody. Think about that for a second. And let me know when you had a good intention that helped somebody. When you had a good intention, a good intention that actually helped somebody. Good intentions don't help nobody. It doesn't do anything. You can have all these fluffy, butterfly, good feelings all day long in your heart and stomach. If they don't turn into actual things, it's not helping anyone. You know what it is? It's just a bunch of this. It's just a bunch of talk. There's a lot of people today that talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And we as Christians need to understand that we're not about imitating good things. We are people of integrity that actually carry them out. Good intentions never helped anybody. Actions are the product of a decided, committed heart. Taking those good, those good, those good intentions and putting them into action, that's just a product of you being decided and committed. 
That's just an action that is coming through because you are focused on the goal and understand that you need to get it done. People come to church many times trying to imitate or portray a lifestyle that in reality they cannot commit to. That's deep. That's deep right there. They can portray it. They can imitate it. They can pretend. But at the end of the day, they can't commit to it. It's something they put in when they walk through that door. It's something they take off the moment they walk out that door. Christianity is not just lived inside the walls of a church. They're lived outside. That's what integrity is all about. Integrity is easy because we're all seeing you here this morning. And we understand and think that we're all Christians because we're all here. But who are you after you walk out those doors? By definition, they have no, no, never truly surrendered their lives to God. And this is probably one of the things that saddens me the most about church in general. And I'm not going to get up here and act like I'm Francis Chan or any of these guys that try to pretend or act like they're just some uh, guru, spiritual guru that's just so much above everybody else. I'm not trying to be that person this morning, okay? But I'm saying that I believe there's a lot of Christians today that never understood what the surrender part was all about. When they accepted Christ as their Savior, they just it, they go through the motions because they're just imitating what the person to the left and to the right of them is doing. But then outside these walls, they get out into the real world and they don't know how to act as a Christian. They don't know what it is to surrender their lives to Christ. They don't know what it is to pick up their cross and follow daily. And that's what's concerning to me because they've imitated something so long that they've actually convinced themselves that there's something they're not. Did you get that this morning? Integrity will always be greater than imitation. Verse 4 says, while it remained unsold, was it not your own? And when it was sold, was it not under your authority? Why have you conceived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to men, but to God. That's where we see that, you know, he had all control over this the whole time. There was no reason to take this where he did. See, Matthew 6, 16, 26 says this, and this is kind of what, what Ananias and his wife is going through. Matthew 16, 26 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Because again, he was looking at the profits. He was looking at the gains. He was looking at the numbers. Amen? He was looking at the numbers. Man, I didn't know this property. I didn't know this property had gained so much value. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared to sacrifice this much. Hey, honey, listen. That land, you know that land we bought the other day? It only cost us $5,000. But man, it's worth $10,000 now. And I already told Peter we were going to give him the money. So let's do this. We spent $5,000 on it. We're going to sell it for 10. So we'll give them what we put into it. But the profit we'll keep. At the end of the day, we're still helping people out. 
at the end of the day, we're still good people. Because I don't see Alfred and Francesca over there selling anything to help anybody else out. So, hey, let's just be at ease knowing that we're good people and we're going to help some other people out. It's so easy to justify. It's so easy to imitate good things. But at the end of the day, Jesus Christ demands so much more of us. He wants integrity in what we're doing. And that's a hard one. When you really think about it, it is very hard to be a person that is 100% whole in their integrity. Number three, your imitation is directed toward God. It's not directed toward man. Why have you conceived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to men, but to God. Stop living trying to please man and realize that that is an oxymoron. Why is it an oxymoron? I can't please man. There's, you know, on a good Sunday when everybody's here, maybe we have 80 adults, and I might have 70 of you on my side, but there's 10 of you there thinking, he could do this a lot better. He's not doing this right. I I can't please everyone. I can't please man. I have to focus on one thing. You know what I got to focus on? I got to focus on pleasing God. I got to focus on pleasing God. And then if other people along the road are offended or can't get on board, it's okay. Because I'm never going to be able to please everybody. I just need to be focused on pleasing God. See, there's a typo here in the next slide. He is the only one who will always see you for who you are his. He is the only one that will always see you for you who you are, his. I don't belong to Eduardo. I don't belong to Curtis. I don't belong to anyone here. Well, I belong to my wife technically. <clears throat> but I do belong to God. And he will always see me for his. And it doesn't matter who might give me their back. It doesn't matter who might ignore me. It, might, it doesn't matter who won't jump on board. It might not matter who gets offended or who cannot support me fullheartedly. At the end of the day, I need to be focused on pleasing God and make sure that he is happy with what I'm doing, that my heart and my integrity is intact before him. He is the only one who will always see me for who I am. His. Verse 5 says, On hearing these words, Ananias fell down and died. And great fear came over all those who heard these things. I would think so. I would have great fear too. Somebody came to church and they're just dropping off their offerings. Man, look at all that money he's bringing. Then he gives it, he gets scolded in front of everybody and drops dead. That's a pretty scary thought. You know what I'd say in my mind? That's the last time I'm giving up an offering. That's what I'm going to get out of this. Just keep my money to myself. It is a scary thing, but you, you know, what's the explanation to it, Pastor? Why did that happen? See, we need to thank God that we don't live under the law of Moses and that God's holy wrath is not bestowed on us today the same way it was back then. 
We need to thank God for the grace of Jesus Christ. We need to thank God that God's not looking down right at me, seeing me. But that when God looks down and looks at me, he sees Jesus Christ in front of me. He is the one that has justified me. He is the one that purchased me. He is the one who has made me whole and holy, even though I don't deserve it. So today we read this story. We say, man, those were some pretty tough punishments for some people that were good intended. We need to understand that God's holy wrath isn't on us like this today. We need to thank God for the power of the blood of Jesus Christ this morning. Number four, each of us are responsible for our own authenticity. Each of us are responsible for our own integrity. We don't have a lot of sons and daughters in here, moms and daughters. We have a couple. We got Janine and her daughters, Miss Nikki and her daughters. We got the, the tag team back here, Anthony and his son. I got my son upstairs. But we don't have a whole lot of father-son dynamics in our church. We have a lot of couples here this morning. And you know what we could draw from this story? We can draw how <clears throat> Ananias was not responsible for Sapphira and Sapphira was not responsible for Ananias. Because Peter talked to both of them independently and gave them both an opportunity. They both had an opportunity. But they were so sold on the fact that we're going to go into this deceit together that it cost them both their lives. Three hours later, I complain that my wife is five hours late. This dude, Sapphira was three hours late for church, guys. Three hours late. Three hours later, the wife came in. Not knowing what had happened. <clears throat> Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband at, are at the door, and they will carry you out. Let me say this. I'm going to go for a stretch here, okay? I don't think that Peter killed Sapphira. I think that he knew what God already did to her husband and knew that God was going to do the same thing to her, okay? So it wasn't like one of those Jedi force things. You're going to die too, lady, okay? I don't think that's what happened. I think that it was just very clear that God's wrath was on Ananias for his deceit and his lying. His wife was full-heartedly sold on the lie and on the deceit. And I think that he knew that God was going to strike her dead also. Man, you know, it used to be that there was a time where you really thought twice before coming in those doors. You really thought twice about how your heart was prepared to walk through those doors. You really thought twice about what was on your mind and in your heart when you came to church. There used to be a day where it was dangerous just to be in the presence of God if you didn't get your stuff right before you came in. We live in such a grace-filled time. And Christians, guess what? It's taking us to a point where we're just, we have no appreciation for it. You know? Because we come to church thinking we need to be served. The church needs this. They need to make sure they better have that coffee shop going. Because when I get there, I better have my hot coffee waiting for me. I was not happy with the temperature of the church when I came in. How come those people can't get their act together, turn the air conditioner on? You know they have these electrical things that just turn it on automatically nowadays. You know, we just come into church as this, 
this area where we expect and expect and expect. Whereas when you look before, you came to church prepared to come to church. How are we coming to church prepared today? You cannot count on others for your own spiritual well-being, nor for your own salvation. The punishment for your wrongdoings isn't any lighter just because others did it also. Did you hear that? The, t- the punishment for your wrongdoings is not going to be any lesser just because other people did it. And I think that growing up, I, that was an easy one for me to understand because growing up, it was like, well, the more of my friends that are involved, the less trouble I'm going to get in. I can't take us all to jail. We can't all get in trouble. I remember when I was, man, I must have been 15 or 16. I was in Santo Domingo, and I was with some really good friends of mine. I think, like, Rocio might remember some of them because she grew up in our, church, in our school, in our church. Well, not in our church, but in our school. And my best friends were Esteban Rodriguez and Gustavo and Angel. And we were, we were, we were the typical um, high school Christian kids. Bad. <laughs> we were terrible. And we went to this one, um, it, it was like this, uh, what, what would you call it? Like a golf club or something? It's a country club. Yeah, the Santo Domingo Country Club. One of the most popular ones there, right there. They have a pool and all this stuff, and there's an amazing golf course. And we went, of course, I had no reason for being there because I couldn't afford to be there. But, you know, my friends, their parents were rich and stuff, so I was with them. And we're sitting at the pool, and all of a sudden, a fight breaks out between my friend Angel. And there's like 10 of them, and there's only like four or five of us. And they're all fighting, and I'm like, well, I might as well get in the middle of this because, you know, I can't let my friends get beat up, and I want to get an invitation to come back someday, so, you know. Man, it was, it was bad. It was a bad fight. And to the point where someone had, like, a small bat, and someone got clubbed over the head. I don't know what happened. We ran out, and we were kicked out. Never allowed to step foot back in there again. I'm 40 today. And I'm sure that anyone that worked back then is never going to remember me. But I wouldn't dare step foot in there again. And I thought at the moment, this won't be that bad. Look at all of us. There's so many of us making a ruckus at this family pool. We're not all going to get in trouble. Every single one of us were taken to the office. Our parents had to come get us one by one. If not, they were going to press charges. Our parents had to sign documents saying that we would never be allowed to come in again. All this stuff. I had never been in so much trouble in all my life. My dad's like, you know, I really hope that one day I could afford to be a member here. Thanks to you, that's never going to happen. (laughs) Not happening. A lot of trouble. I was restricted to my room for one whole month. It was to school to church, to the dining room table, no TV. Of course, back then, we didn't have smartphones, iPads, none of that stuff. My internet was like stoking a fire just to get it started. Bing, bing, bing. And all my dad had to do was literally, this is what my dad would do. My dad would literally, this is how he stopped me from getting on the internet, guys. So crazy. 
All he would do is walk over to the phone, pick it up, and put it on the table. And that's it. There was no internet. That was no internet. It was so easy to cut the internet back then. Imitation at any degree, imitation at any degree, is a personal decision that will lead to a personal demise. I mean, at that time, I knew who I was. I knew I was a Christian. I wasn't living the way I should, but I thought about it. I was like, I could easily walk out that back door, and no one will ever see me, and no one will ever ask where I was, and I won't get in any trouble. I was too busy being part of the group and imitating something I wasn't. As Christ followers, we don't fake it till we make it. Have you ever heard of that? You just fake it till you make it. Just fake it till you make it. In the secular world, that's a big one. Just fake it till you make it. A lot of people have made it because they faked it. Fake it till you make it. So as a Christian, what do we do? We live it till we get it. We live it till we get it. Because, like I said, today I'm 40, and I feel like I'm just starting to get what God wants with me. I feel like I'm just starting to understand what this life was all about. I'm starting to truly appreciate the things I have and don't have, what he decides to give me and what he decides not to give me. I feel that after a life of living in church, having gone to Bible college, having gone to all these different churches and everything, I'm finally starting to understand what the Christian life is all about, what being a disciple truly is. It's not about me imitating anything. It's about living my Christian life from the inside out, letting my integrity shine outside. You walk this life, you live this life, and one day you'll come to the realization that you finally get it. You will ultimately, you will ultimately understand what the word surrender truly means. Another word that I use instead of surrender is the, is the word yield. I know you Dominicans don't know what the word yield means. I've come to those cross sections where I'm already in the circle and you want to get in and you have, a, you have a red sign. It's red on the outside with red letters that says, Se de paso. Yield. It means if someone else is already coming, it is your job to stop. Because that person has the right of way. But Dominicans think of that sign as a challenge. Oh, so as long as I can speed up and get in front of them, here's the thing. That's how we live our Christian lives. God's there, and he's telling us what to do. And we're like, well, as long as I can speed up what I want to do and get in front of him, I don't have to surrender or yield to what he wants me to do. And that's what we have to understand. Integrity will always be greater than imitation. And you can fake it till you make it, but under the context of our Christian walk, you're not going to make it. You can fake it all you want, but one day we're all going to kneel before a holy father and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. And I pray that you are one of those that have already recognized that and you're one of those that will be standing behind him when that day comes. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this story, even though it's a story that doesn't really encourage us to, to happy thoughts or anything. It's a sad story. Lord, may it teach us something today. May it help us, Lord, to be people of integrity.
May we aspire to be more. Don't let us fake this Christian walk. Don't let us pretend to be something we're not. Expose us to ourselves, Lord. May your word expose all those imperfections in our life that we can better. May we learn to walk this walk and follow you, Lord, and live as you have intended for us to live. Give, being people of clear minds, of clear minds, not allowing that this world get in the middle or obstruct us for what you would have us to be. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.